0: Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom, and I'm joined as ever by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. We're also here with Red Mackay, CEO of Bossa Nova in Europe. Last year the company set up shop in Sheffield and we'll be asking how that came about, how it's going and learning a little more about the robotics landscape in Sheffield. In the second half of the show we'll be wading through the various updates from the city's digital sector, including a retro on last night's Sheffield Digital Showcase. I don't know if that's the right way of using the word retro, but I'm going with it. It'll do. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, Before we get going, we need to say a thank you to uh, Rebel Base Media again. So we're back in their fantastic podcasting studio, which is in Sheffield Tech Parks. And um, um, we thank them. This is a dedicated podcasting studio for the city. And um, and it's uh, free to use up until um, I think I said the end of July last uh, last uh, time I recorded. Is that I, got, right? I got that wrong. I think it's June. to the beginning of June. All right,
1: something like that. Yeah. June, June sounds good. <laughs> June sounds good. Beginning Let's... end, we're not sure. But if you fancy having a go at podcasting, totally recommend you come and have a play in here because it's brilliant.
2: Fantastic facility. It's amazing. I right. didn't know it was here.
0: Yeah, well, it's only been a couple of months, so it's um, it's uh, it's uh, being well used as well. There's a I know the Good Things Foundation. So we've we've uh, another digital uh, company in Sheffield. They've set up their own podcast. and yep. they're, they're using this space. Right, great. Um, and uh, and that's it. So um, so Red, thanks for joining us. Could Thank you, you for the invite. You're very welcome. Uh, could you start, as we always do, with a bit of a, a potted history of, uh, of I guess, you, before we get on to What's Ever. What's your background?
2: It will be very potted. Uh, the company's far more interesting than I am. Um, I was born in Sheffield um, at the original Jessops uh, maternity wing that I think is now a um, university building now. Um, my father was fin- finishing his masters in civil engineering at the time as well, so they were young parents, um, uh, and that was in sometime in the seventies, and it might be the first half, if I remember rightly. When you were born, you could have been around then. Yeah, I'll leave that one out. <laughs> People can guess. Um, Seventy-three. Yes, somewhere around there. Um, uh, so evasive. I, I had. Uh, we lived on London Road. From uh, and good memories of uh, going to school in my very young years of long, uh, living on London Road, um, and real snow and winters, where we had several feet and metres, living up and uh, and walking up at the top near Red Myers and Stanage. Um, I went through School in King Edwards, um, Loxley College, as it was, again, another bit of our history that no longer exists. Um, didn't do particularly well at either, actually, and didn't go to university as a result. Um, But I did get myself into the army um, at the age of 19, uh, 20 it may have been, Um, and I joined the Scots Guards. I'm a Mackay, um, a proud one, Um, so um, going into a Scottish regiment was some kind of a a, a tipping the hat exercise to a grandfather um, and family roots. Um, And after a number of years in the military, in the Guards, I... um, found my way into retail, into Asda's head office. Um, Walmart had bought Asda, um, and that gave me a great grounding and a route through into understanding retail in the UK. That was quite a chapter-changing moment, actually, uh, with Walmart's involvement in the UK. Um, And I then went on to being a, a... Management consultant, so a troubleshooter. I think something that Sheffield and most people from Yorkshire have got going for them is straight talking, honesty, and and a, a graft ethic. Um, and that that suited being a management consultant. And I was uh, lucky enough to work with retail, manufacturing, um, on various projects. A lot to do with change, some to do with new technology. Um, and then I spent uh, six years as a uh, an operations director in a well known. Um, household name um, again in manufacturing, and that was international with international warehousing and logistics and product development. Um, but again, all of that career was all outside of Sheffield. So um, the very recent history has been able to um, set up a head office in something quite so um, leading in its market as Nova is. So I've been not only been able to w- live here at the weekends, I've been able to have a, you know a normal working week. Um, by making that decision, and Sheffield made that decision really easy.
0: And and so, talk us through the move. So, Bossa Nova moved to, not really moved, set up shop in uh, in in Sheffield. When was it?
2: Last uh, last summer? Yeah. So the interesting bit, rather than uh, that's good. Um, so Bossa Nova was um, spun out of Carnegie Mellon um, in Pittsburgh, and two co-founders, um, which was Sarjun Scaff. Um, uh, PhD and uh, Martin Hitch, who was a, a managing director of sales within various toy companies, had actually got together um, and used their combined brains, knowledge, experience in developing robotic toys and the software that went along with them, and were very successful at it. Um, we, but with their robotics development, and they. Um, various solutions in terms of self writing um, ball bots as they called them and um, uh, asking customers about what what's the use of this technology and actually retail gave them the answer and said can you solve our outs problem and outs being to us as normal shoppers is a product that's not not available on the shelf um, sounds simple but it's equally frustrating for all of us um, and it's actually a, a very old problem that retail have um, so the decision um, was made that they needed um, a business to support Europe because of the amount of global retail and um, interest there was um, that was stemming out of Europe. And particularly because of the competitive nature of the UK as a whole, the inquiries that were coming out of the UK. Um, and I was approached and had a number of discussions and said, I think I'd like the job. It sounds incredibly interesting. Um But I'd also like to talk further about where it would be. And after doing a bit of research and a couple of conversations with various people, which Mel was one of actually, um, about where we were going to be, um, I made a decision on Sheffield. So personally, it was great. I can get to work in less than 15 minutes instead of a six-hour drive or a flight. Um, But also have two world-class universities, um, great office space available, um, and everybody that's come and joined us or come over from the US has been stunned at what Sheffield has to lose, uh, has to offer. <laughs> rather, rather, has a lot to lose, but has to well, offer. Sort of the same thing. Similar. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, so you, you weren't working for Bossa Nova at the time they made the decision.
2: Yeah, I made the decision. Okay. Yeah, I made the decision. So um, Bossa Nova were very clear in. Um, they wanted the business set up and that I was the one to make that decision because of my experience within the UK and Europe. Okay. So you're
3: already part of Bossa when they were deciding to move into the UK, uh,
2: into Europe. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted a solution, um, uh, as late as uh, the last quarter of 2017. Right. And various individuals were coming over, um, and dealing with, uh, UK retail. Um, and it was just getting spread too thin. Um, and, you know, if you speak to somebody once, they expect another call. Yeah. You know, retail's very demanding. They expect um, nothing short of pace and professionalism. And if you're dealing with them from 5,000 miles away, et cetera, that's difficult to maintain that. So mm-hmm. the speed was get in touch, you know, give us a platform, um, talk to them about our technology, our solution, um, which was easy with the background that I have Um, uh, and then create a platform in terms of scale and development, having Sheffield as the hub. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was talking to them about why Sheffield, it, it, it's close to being in the middle of the UK. Right. I was going to ask now, whether that. I know we're not is. the Midlands. Yeah. The Midlands are the middle of the England, in my view. You know, Sheffield is in the middle, very close to being in the middle of the UK. Um, and it gave me gave me great access to York, um, Newcastle, Edinburgh, Glasgow, and beyond, and also the obvious access to Luton, Derby, um, uh, Peterborough, London, and the South, mm-hmm. um, and the access to the resource pool that Sheffield has to offer as well, and the life balance, which was really important to me as well, is that people. Um, have the access when the, with the right wage to be able to get on the housing ladder. And a lot of other cities, that was a challenge, mm. which would therefore make recruiting a challenge. Mm. So it was really setting us up for the future, certainly for the first five years of our, our future. So
3: the, the ability to attract talent to Sheffield to work at boss
2: house prices, transport,
3: lifestyle, yep, cultural health. offer, health, right? You
2: know, uh, yeah. I mean... It's probably similar in other cities, but it impresses me every morning, the amount of people that are up at six and before running, mm. um, even up where I live in the, in the clouds of the city. But um, The outdoor city. It is. And um, again, when people have come over from the States and we have two offices in San Francisco and two in Pittsburgh and one in Bentonville, uh, is when they come over, um, they're stunned. You know, the, oh, that's where the snooker's filmed. That's, you know, that's um, Stanage Edge. You know, that's Chatsworth House. They're just kind of surprised at how dense our city is and how easy it is to wander around, but also how easy it is to access the countryside. Mm. And again, if you come over from America and you see a castle, that's kind of blows (laughs) them away. It's
3: a deal sealed, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's like, you know, they
2: they see it in books and we have it reality on our doorstep, don't we? so
3: What about as a beachhead into Europe and... The rest of the expansion. It's, yeah. it's not just a UK play. Presumably, it's no, absolutely, it's
2: really, it to cover Europe, yeah. um, and the fact that we have the East Midlands, um, Doncaster, Sheffield, Manchester airports, actually reasonable access to all of the northern airports um, make it um, made it viable for me as well. I, it could be easier, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I much prefer easier access by road and rail into the airports, um, but I was. Content that particularly with the access to the M62 and the Snake Pass and the A57 um, and the M1 gave us quick, consistent access to those airports, So, w- which gave us the launch pad into Europe, which we are um, in discussions with as well at the moment.
1: For the people who don't know the company, can you tell us a little bit more about what Bossanova actually does and how you solve the problems that retailers have?
2: Absolutely. So I think everybody to this point probably thinks you're interviewing somebody for a dance school. <laughs> um, I think that's the toy history of the company. Uh, no, I it was actually <laughs> Sojun who did some studying for quite some time in Brazil and it was it was his passion and love oh, for really? the music. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a real personal spine throughout the company about uh, Martin and uh, Sajun's so beliefs and, and their Uh, need to solve a problem, but also there's some nice personal touches, emotive touches within the business as well. So what do we do? Um, Bossa Nova designs, produces a technical solution um, that uh, autonomously um, navigates itself within retail, inside the stores, large grocery predominantly, and scans Um, all the shelves, all the products, and then informs the um, store colleagues, the management and head office about what those products are, where they are located, and if they have any issues like the price being wrong. Um, And why that's so um, important is globally, I think the last number that was given was that was a um, £1.8 trillion sterling problem globally. it's huge. And to put it on a personal level, if anybody, and I should imagine a lot of your listeners have ordered anything with their right or left thumb using any app um, from any of the larger uh, retail stores, getting a substitute is frustrating. And as um, the Omni Channel um, defines itself within the UK, the the substitute issue and the um, resultant issues throughout retail supply chain is increasingly important. It's always been a challenge, but it's now increasingly important. So for the consumer, for the listeners, it would be about, for us, it will be about that mozzarella arrives rather than um, uh, cheddar cheese. Same product, their guns and the colleagues may think that's appropriate, but you've ordered mozzarella for something sp- particular that cheddar doesn't quite go with. And there's much more other examples that would be better than that, I'm sure. Um, But what that means in terms of also is the fact that we're autonomous, so we can actually work in our vehicle, which is our our robot. Um, And again, it's not a robot that people would think of with arms, legs. Um, I've described (laughs) it it as a short-bodied, long-necked, legless giraffe that's (laughs) grey. That's kind of how I describe them. And again, you go on, go online and look at Bo- Bosnova Robotics, you see an image of it. Um, but it scans, it just diligently works um, and moves roughly about two miles per hour. So a very slow stroll shopping pace. So um, it has a small audible um, noise, just so people know. It's a chirp, actually. It's more like a squeaking wheel, but it is actually a chirp of a bird, a real recording. Mm-hmm. Um but it does sound like a squeaking wheel. So if you see it, you'll hear it. Um, and it relays that data in real time. So at the end of an aisle, um, a section within um, uh, a grocer, retailer, um, it will tr- be transmitting that data and its interpretation, um, which is uh, big data. It's AI, that's our magic, um, and telling them, there is your information, there is your um, map of your product, and there are your issues. Um, and one of the challenges openly that we've had is, that, well, does that not take a job? Um, uh, and I'm really clear, and it's one of my involvement, one of my key parts of the um, being involved with Bossa Nova, is actually if you work up the simple numbers, if a colleague can in-store, can scan 100, and... Um, and miss 10, then that gives them an extra 10 items to put back on the shelf. If we're in the thousands per scan of improvement, just because it does a very dull job, then there will be colleague time required to replenish. So rather than the mundane um, dislike job of looking, scanning, being interrupted by customers like ourselves, can you tell me where jelly is can you tell what the odd things that people need to find? um actually, my expectation is that this should generate um uh, the role of pickers um, due to the hours that are needed because we find that many more outs because it's such a dedicated piece of technology huh. okay
1: yeah, so that that's really interesting. It's like taking the the very small core root of the problem and just addressing that. And then linking that information into the larger systems, so that then other people can act on that information and address the problem. So it it's not trying to do everything; it's doing the one thing it can do really well, and then link that into the rest of the system.
2: Yeah, it's really it's that's well put, Mel. Actually, the it's really important that technology is there. And as we've all seen over the last 20 years, you know, from not having a mobile phone to having something so powerful in our, most of our hands is we very quickly involve that technology into our life. There are positives and there are, there are negatives and we evolve new rules and regulations to manage that. And parenting skills in my own particular (laughs) uh, uh, experience. The, um, I think it's, the way I would distill it is that we're technology that is developing to work alongside um, uh, people, humans, to um, improve the accuracy of a very dull job. Yeah. As you said, it's at the root cause. Um, but then generate much better data because of its accuracy that enables decisions to be made that allow for better human to human interaction, um, improve customer service. Um, certain retailers still don't have people packing your bag and why? that's because probably because of a cost saving. So to be able to repurpose both the human resource and also the cash that retailers scramble for in terms of our spend um, is really important and, and Bossanova and our technology our solution is absolutely at the forefront of that. And I think it's really important at a broader sphere is technology working alongside um, people.
1: Yeah. So can we expect to meet one of your robots in a a store near us anytime
2: soon? We've been in um, a number of stores already. Uh Um, So there are pilots. I mean, something with new technology, everybody wants to trial and pilot. Um, And our team in Sheffield are, are doing that on a regular basis. Um, and the results will be very positive, and then it'll move from pilots to multiple stores. So um, all the customers throughout Europe are very careful about they handle their um, releases within the news about their working relationships, and that's not just about bossanova, that's just um, uh, they keep their cards close to their chest, mm. and I don't blame them. Um, but we've already been out there. There's people that have had selfies with them. Um, uh, we've had... Um, uh, Instagram posts about us when people have seen them. We've had nanas comment on them. Uh, We've had five-year-old boys telling their mum and dad what it does. Um, It's had a dressing down somebody in another city, not too far away from Sheffield. Um, I did it remove someone's foot? Or? No, it was doing its job. Um, it doesn't talk. You know, there's no interaction with it. Um, but they, they did stand in front of it, stop it and and give it a good finger wagging, you know, um, before they actually understood where it was. And when, when it was explained what it did, the individual then asked it where the peas were. <laughs> so, so, I love it. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of I think stigma that needs yeah. to be broken down. You know, Hollywood hasn't helped. Um sure. you know, we're certainly not going to be calling the robot T1 or T two, you know. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is it is a very dull, intentionally very focused piece of technology that solves a problem that's very close to all our hearts. Um, and then the next time you get a substitute, the next time you wholemeal bread or your, your kid's favourite suite is off-sale, then you can think that this is what solves that problem.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's very difficult to know, isn't it? I mean, you have this problem with sensors and, yeah. you know, you're surrounded by technology that you don't really know what its purpose is or what it's used for.
2: Yeah. Um, or even recognise it as technology. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. You know, you look at the phone, it's but just it, a mundane <laughs> slim black box usually. Yeah. But the power that's within it is incredible. It can
3: be used for all sorts of different things you don't know what at any yeah. given moment. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but how does so so it scans the shelves? How does it actually work? What's it what's it looking for? Obviously, all the products have barcodes, but it's yep. not checking barcodes, presumably.
2: Yes, yes. So, the 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 data and the learning side of it is the fact it's learning the product and the barcode data, um, and then identifying whether it's um, not there and if it should be there. So, or if it is a replacement item,
3: but. Or- the barcode's not always on view, though. No, it isn't.
2: Um, but then you'd be looking at the um, the planograms, the pictures that we also provide okay. as well. So there's a vast amount of learning that it's doing. Okay, so it has a Google Goggles style. Like, it, it knows what... It isn't that, but it's similar. Similar that's to a good that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it knows what a packet of cam looks like. Yeah, it and will so, be reading it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it doesn't necessarily need to see the barcode. Helps it obviously if the barcode's on display, it can be sure.
2: That yeah, that's I mean, what the product it, it, that's is, a very clear statement. Actually, is that the the install discipline is absolutely supported because if you do have that barcode on display, we are our data that we provide is a lot stronger right. as well. Okay, otherwise you're going to be referring far more visually in terms of where the the outage. Yeah, as and well. then the error goes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so actually, the install disciplines is a big part. Again, if they're getting more direction in terms of where the department. Um, barcode should be laid or that they're not quite right or they're wrong that our data will help them with that so again it's not just about the product it's about all of the functions that support that product getting onto shelf Mm -hmm.
3: so it makes the whole place operation operationally more efficient Yeah. Um, so um, we had we had a couple of your robot operators come down to Geek Breakfast a couple of months ago. Yeah, they loved it, it. Yeah, well, good. Uh, it was really fascinating to talk to them, actually, yeah. and to understand what this new job, robot operator, actually entails and yeah. what their backgrounds were. And I think they've got their dream job. Yeah, them, they were really excited yeah. about yeah. It, but, yeah, um, it. But also, it seemed like... You know, they they were responsible for a robot, and they they needed to make sure that robot was operational. They needed to make it sure it was calibrated, and it was you know every, everything was working. Mm. And so they needed technical skill, engineering skills, yes. and they needed coding skills because yeah. you know there's a certain amount of uh, of coding and configuration that needs yeah, to be done, and, and monitoring. Mm. Um And so yeah, so it felt like they they had a bond with their robot that they were responsible for.
2: Oh, I mean, they they called it all the bots, individual names, you try not to get emotionally <laughs> attached to them, but honestly, when they're looming in your office and they're there, they do get referred to names. Mm. Um, uh, the various names that they got called to in stores that we've been in, um, included, um, Casanova, right. Um, <laughs> by the team, uh, that put the products on the shelf, you know, and they actually felt very protective over it. So our team, and they're fantastic, all, all local, um, uh, uh, well, I say all but local. local. Um, Stacey's from Rotherham, <laughs> who's here today. Uh, and uh, Venkat is Indian-born but came from Pittsburgh, but the rest of them from Sheffield. Yeah. What, what are they doing? <clears throat> Excuse
0: me. What, what is the team doing in Sheffield? Are we building robots in Sheffield or are we just operating them? No, we're not
2: building them. So we we assemble them. So they come in um, a number of parts and the team will assemble them. Um, uh, they're manufactured um, in the States, and they will be continued to be manufactured in the states for the foreseeable future. As as we scale, um, the operating model may adjust in terms of us doing more of the assembly, um, but that's significantly in the future. Um, but more about the the more resource that we will be looking at will be about the operational management of the robot. So the troubleshooting, the customer care, the assembly, the uh, their job is, is all of that, um, but also the individual care of that bot. So the delivery into the, um, the store, um, working with the colleagues in workshops, what it does, what it doesn't do, what, would, what are the new protocols, because no one's had an autonomous vehicle um, uh, that does what ours does um, uh, in the UK. Um, so um, they will also ask, answer questions of customers. You know, and that does range from an interaction with children to the mums and dads, the lunchtime sandwich buyer, um, right the way through to the heavy shop. Um, and people want to talk and ask about it. And, and the more they talk to, actually, the better, because they're getting an understanding of um, from a local individual, a young person saying, this is what it is, you know, in our terms, in, you know, in our language, our accents. And I think that's important regionally, and that goes beyond Sheffield. And my belief is that the people should be local.
1: So how big is the team here now?
2: Um, At the moment, in terms of our direct employment, we have um, uh, nine people full-time. And then we employ various local companies from accountants to uh, logistics and storage companies. So we probably impact somewhere in the region of 25 individuals. Um, But uh, um, as soon as we confirm the next stores, um, we can support probably four stores at the moment. We, if, As soon as we go beyond that, we'll be immediately recruiting and plans are been made for what that looks like as well. Because as soon as you recruit, it's HR, it's finance, training, um, so that's, seats, desks. There's nine people to support four stores so people can get an idea of what what's going to take scale, to scale yeah. out across
3: the whole country. Yeah, honestly.
2: absolutely. I mean, some of it we will have third parties supporting us. I sure. mean, there's servicing of the robots, there's battery supplies yeah. and resupply. Um, but yeah, it will need an, an infrastructure and we are at the base. Um, you know, We have Marcoms, a uh, marketing and communications already to handle all of the interest in us, which is what Stacey manages. We have a commercial director in Lee um, who's looking after the contracts, legals and also data with the, uh, um, the data challenges that there is that everybody's mm-hmm. facing right now. Um, and he's front facing with the customers and the clients. Um, and then we have the technical team. And just for a small little team like that, we have an HR manager in Claire and again, local. Um, and it's not been difficult to find people as well, which has been great. And yeah, long, may we, that continue.
3: I mean the robotics is a really interesting subcluster in Sheffield and it's it's kind of it's quite difficult to get a handle on how big and significant it is. Obviously we've got Sheffield Robotics, which is a you know, joint research and development enterprise between two universities, Hallam and Sheffield University, um, which does really interesting foundational research and, and has a spin-off or two. Um, and there's Factory 2050 and some of the work that happens out at the AMRC with um, you know industrial robotics. Um, but how, how much do you feel part of a, a community of robotics companies Or is it really just you and
2: maybe a handful
3: of others that people
2: aren't aware of? Well, I'd say 95% of our time has been um, Mm. customer-focused for the last uh, 10, 11 months. Um, As we um, mature our business model Um, then it gives me more time to be able to do more of the networking that's needed um, and introduce me more to the skills providers, Mm. the educational halls, and also the community. I mean, I've really encouraged our team to get involved with the likes of Geek Breakfast, which you've so kindly introduced me to. Um, (laughs) um, But also, you know, the tools like LinkedIn that, you know, people pop up locally and want to invite you to, events um and again it, it this won't all be about me it will very much be about the team being involved in the mm-hmm. sheffield and the community and and broader yorkshire as well so um it becomes very important um, the quarter four and beyond quarter four of this year so from october onwards about our um, networking our ability to understand who do we go to when we need training yeah. if we need skills servicing partners uh Basic infrastructure. Yeah. You know, yeah you're so, going to need an ecosystem around you yeah. to help you do that. And I mean, it's even it. as basic as, you know, people that, you know, having water in the office. Yeah. You know, okay, who does that? And we all Google everything, but there'll be somebody that will do it that we can buy off the back of. It's really that simple. But then it goes up to the very high technical requirements of who's graduating in robot visual perception yeah. in 2020 so we can already be speaking to them and maybe offer them a work experience place yeah
3: and you started investing in those skills at a really early age by
2: sponsoring team titan and team spider who went out to shanghai that was great yeah <laughs> yeah i mean within I, I think i was invited along um to to speak um about Bossanova nova and rambled on probably a lot longer as usual um than what i was meant to but um it was an amazing privilege to meet oh, the, the, the showcase yeah, yeah, absolutely to meet the um the children who ended up being really successful as well and and I just thought it was really important to be able to support the parents yeah in there because the parents have got the kids and given them the freedom to develop their skills and clearly support their education in whatever that looked like. Yeah, we
3: weren't really prepared for the fact that they'd have to fork up thousands of pounds to, go, to, oh, to take the kids exactly, to Shanghai. Exactly,
2: you know, and experience the longest haul flight they will likely to, like, uh, you know, remember. And none of them were very short, so imagine it was a very difficult flight. But just in some way to be able to support that um, was really useful. I was really, really proud that we were in a position to be able to do that.
3: Yeah, well, it was fantastic that you made the announcement at the showcase. Um, but it's really sort of become a bit of a thing in Sheffield. I mean, um, team Magenta from the UTC have qualified for the, uh, for the, um, VEX robotics final in Kentucky, I think, isn't it? Um, which is uh, next month, I think. So uh, Sheffield, young Sheffield roboticists are, you know, winning national entries to, uh, global competitions now. And, um, you know, I think it's a really good thing to invest in because those kids are the kids that are going to go on um, and go to university or, or go straight into an apprenticeship with a company like yours. I think um, it's
2: really important. I think the gaming generation using that skill and their dexterity and the hand-eye coordination and then applying their academic abilities into robotics, um, coding, software development, design engineering, whether that be mechanical or electrical, I think mm. is hugely important. And we've got a heritage of that in, in in industrial. And I think therefore that means grandparents will be interested. Mm. And that's what we found with our human interactions when we're the robots out there. It's quite a high level of acceptance of technology because it's about our children learning and the mums and dads having jobs as well to support that. So um, I think we're really lucky again. And actually, it's getting the word out there that this is about our, our children's, grandchildren's future. Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's a real opportunity for Sheffield. If you think about robotics is also almost like a way to make coding tangible.
3: Yeah, yep. so it's a team you, sport as well. You, yeah, know, you,
1: you can touch it, you can knock on it with your finger um, you can see it moving around and it combines that old manufacturing heritage with with coding, with making, with new technology, with the future and as well the more that we talk about how robots help people rather than replace people or free people up to do the interesting jobs by doing the dull jobs for them.
2: To do more training, yeah, you yeah. know,
1: getting getting that message across rather than like, oh my god, robots are going to steal all our jobs. I think that is a positive message to get out as well.
2: I think, I mean, the 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 way some of the way I've looked at it is, we were the world leader in being able to mix alloys and create the most phenomenal steel. We can now mix characters and create world leading code, you know. And I genuinely believe that that's what our children and the twenty somethings, millennials, are are already there. Um, And it's creating, it's about creating within Sheffield the work environments for them to do it because a lot of them do it in part time, uh, within their own personal time rather. My team does, you know, they go home and they do things like coding or build stuff, you know way more interesting things than what I was doing when I was building dens in woods, you know. So I just wish I had their skills and could go back 30 years and relearn. Yeah, it's amazing to see Incredible. You know, seven-year-olds, yeah. you know, really solve problems that's and the, talk to that's each that's other. That's the terrifying, the way they talk it's actually, you. is the fact that seven- and eight-year-olds, I've got two 10-year-olds, and both of them, and the, the way they handle technology, that's more scary than a job for a bot. Actually, <laughs> it's about the power that our young children <laughs> have.
1: They're going to take over the world. Yes, yeah. they're the
2: ones that worry about that. 11. Yeah. <laughs> Pick a mix on every quarter, <laughs> and every corner of every street. <laughs>
3: yeah, or, or, autonomous sweet shops is roaming the countryside. <laughs> yeah, for
2: free. Yeah.
1: So just generally before we wrap up, Reg, what's your take on Sheffield's digital scene generally and what, what more do you think needs to happen here?
2: Um, I think uh, the development will be about its combination of education, Um, application and social. Um, Sheffield is very social. We've got very deep social roots. Um, And it's why we're so well known for our sports. Social as a sporting activity. So I think um, we've got to continue to drive those three aspects um, in working together. And what will come out of that is why working together as groups, the social elements will fall out of that. I think Sheffield needs to work on its infrastructure in terms of Wi-Fi everywhere for free. Um, and and good cross-functional working spaces, and then again, there's a lot of work being done, but it can only get better. Mm. Um, and then the broader pieces, which are slightly political, but I think our um, public network, uh, transport networks, um, access to other cities, um, airports, um, uh, and inner city infrastructures and housing is really important. Yeah. One of the huge benefits of Sheffield is that our housing cost remains accessible to people in their first and second jobs and for me that needs to, long may that continue mm. and i can see areas already that are increasing in in their valuations and again you just we need to keep on top of that because mm. people coming out at 21 22 probably with a a educational debt need to have access so no matter how well the job the the job pays it doesn't matter if access to home home uh, and a lifestyle isn't accessible yeah
1: that's a really good point
2: it is, and a good place to end. Thank you, uh, thank you
0: so much for coming in. It was really fascinating to hear more about uh, about the company and what you do. So, thank you very
2: much. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Really man. appreciate it. Thank oh. you. Uh, episode thirty.
1: <laughs> yes. Why, why, why is there no cake? <laughs> episode thirty. I expected cake.
3: We get cake at thirteen thousand. Downloads when we actually hit it. When we actually hit it, as opposed to when I say. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: right, we're not there yet.
3: No, it was alternative facts on my part.
1: <laughs> Is that a promise that there will be cake at 13,000 downloads? Because if so, I'll be like
3: <laughs> could, uh, could be... phoning all my friends and saying
1: download this podcast because <laughs> I need cake. I need cake
3: now. <laughs> it doesn't just like materialise from the heavens and fall on us on the 13,000th uh, download. It doesn't. No. Someone has to actually organise it.
1: Wow. Way to bring down the mood, Chris. Thank (laughs) you. you. (laughs) So in case, uh, dear listeners, you hadn't noticed. Are we on? (laughs) We are on. (laughs) We are recording. So it's a Friday and it's the Friday after the Sheffield Digital Showcase, which was last night. Yeah. And Chris has just said that he's completely burnt out. He has nothing left to give. So we're trying to up the mood a bit in the studio. Chris, tell us about how awesome the showcase was last night.
3: Uh, it was great. Well, you were in the audience. I was there. So, yeah. um, from, my, from my perspective, it was nerve-wracking, stressful. Uh, it was an absolute ball ache to organise. Um, I won't go into the details of uh, of uh, how many things went wrong and you know almost scuppered the entire thing, um, and how hard I worked to, to hit the deadline and get everything mastered into a single presentation. You'd never know. Like- <laughs> so
1: you were everything. like a swan, yeah, gliding um, serenely.
3: <laughs> <laughs> As it, it all came together, and I thought it worked really well. It was, um, I was really pleased with how it went. Actually, um, uh, all of that work really paid off. Um, I I thought. I mean, I was particularly, I was, so there's, there's it's such a process to put an event like that together. There's so many things that you have to make sure that happen. Um, so part of it is the curation, getting the right people to come and talk. Part of it is getting them to talk about the right things and, and you know, provide the, the, the presentation material in the right way. And, and talk to them about what they're presenting and try and understand Um and, you know, f- figure out what the interesting storylines are. Like, you know, wh- what are we? What are we trying? What am I trying to get out of them? You know, it was it was a big difference from the first showcase. So the first one we did in November, we gave everybody ten minute slots, and they they presented. They presented with their own equipment. So the AV didn't work sometimes. The video didn't didn't work for some of them. We didn't record it very well. We used a handheld recorder on the podium. Um, but this time we've recorded it straight off the desk. So we've got really high quality audio of the event. We also got Imagine Bound to to film it. So we are producing videos of it. Um, so there was AV issues. There was, there was recording issues. Um, and then there was presentation issues because, um, you know, we didn't have time to work with the presenters on their talks and some of the talks were really good. This this is the first time. The first time round. Yeah. So, so, um, but but I, I you know there, there was there were certain aspects that i don't think got across to the audience um, in the first one there's you know it's it's difficult for people who have been involved in a project for you know some for years in some cases to to understand how to translate things to a wider context mm-hmm. so i wanted to figure out a way of being able to do that so we came up with a different format it's got a talk show style thing um i got everybody to give me all of their so i asked asked for five images um, or or you know or a very short video or you know of something of showing something actually working to try and you know explain the thing that they that they're presenting and i got them to send all of that stuff to me beforehand so that i could master it all onto a single presentation that i could control and i, I went and bought a nice clicker that had a volume control on it and and stuff um, that's um and then we we sat we'd sit, we sat down uh you know on stage together and the format was like the, the the guest explaining their project to me and the audience through the use of images or short videos. Um, and I hope that would work and kind of address those issues that we'd experienced in the first one. And I think they did. I was really pleased with how it went. I thought technically it was slick. Um, everything worked um, you know, we had, a, we had a repeater monitor on stage so we could see what, you know, what was be on the screen behind us. All of the videos worked, all the present, you know, the material was really good, I thought. And the stories were really good and and we still managed to get them in roughly in 10-minute slots. So I think most of the slots were sort of 12, 13 minutes, you know, a couple of minutes over. But um, And it, I thought it really gave an opportunity to tease out some of the really interesting stuff. And um, I think... Uh, Also from the curation point of view, I think we managed to get people presenting that were doing quite different things. So all the way from, you know, uh, crackdown three Sumo's big triple a game. That's taken five years and tens of millions of dollars to produce, um, to, you know, um, an alpha project to reimagine how the department for education presents statistical information, um, from big companies, you know, like, um, like twinkle to, you know, a, collaboration of really small companies, mm-hmm. um, working collaboratively on a very big project. Um, and it was, uh, I'm fascinated by process and how these projects actually work. You know, my background's in project management and, and managing teams. So I want, you know, I'm fascinated by how these things come about, how they're, estimated and budgeted how prototyping works how you know how many people work on them right this is the the, the nuts and bolts of how this stuff works and as well as what it is um and people don't bother talking about that but lots of people came up to me afterwards saying how much they'd enjoyed that part of the conversation and how fascinating it was to hear about each other's process from these very different but surprisingly related um parts of our industry So I I thought it was great. I enjoyed it.
1: I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it as well. And I enjoyed the cross-section of the different sorts of companies and the different sorts of projects that we heard about. And the thing that really worked for me was instead of having someone present, it was you and that person or people having a conversation on stage. So it was like a visual podcast in a way. Um, And there's something about when you get people into conversation, they relax and they just start to be themselves more. So instead of people relying on whether they're naturally good presenters or not. You just have people talking about the stuff that they do, that they obviously really care about and are passionate about. And you got a bit of an insight into the person and the company and the way that they work. And it just felt perhaps even more engaging than than the slickest of slick presentations. So I thought that worked really well.
3: Yeah, thanks. I mean, that, that, you know, that's what I was really hoping for. I, I was really worried that it would be stilted and that people that the conversation would be difficult and it would be kind of very formal but um I think you know it it got nice and easy and I I stayed on stage and invited people up and everybody applauded when they arrived and I introduced them and we just started chatting about stuff and showing stuff and it was a very it was very easy I felt I felt it was very easy to do I was it was much easier than I was fearing actually I was quite nervous about it before
1: so are we going to turn the audio into a podcast special
3: that's the idea yeah great and and um, and we're producing a little, you know videos of each of the five five conversations that we had.
1: Great, so we'll gradually build up a bank of these, won't yeah. we? It's Marvelous, I like
0: it. Well, I, I was going to say that. So this there was a it was a hundred people. That, right, that we well that was a hundred tickets, and it there, there, Yeah, it did. Yeah, so there
3: weren't quite a hundred people at the event, but um, yes, hopefully but, people will come when they sign up for things. Now they know that it's good thing to do.
0: So, so what what do you think this says? Because we we talked about this type of event about. Six months ago, last summer, something like that. Not, not on air, but we chatted afterwards about yeah. the idea of a, a show and tell kind of um, event, mm-hmm. which is kind of what this is. Can we say that there is an appetite for this? What do we think? What, what do we think we? I think uh, there where is. are we going with it?
3: I mean, I, you know, I, I did a lot of work promoting it. That's the other thing that needs to happen is you need to get the word out there. And you know, I, a lot of the work was, you know, I produced a press release, I sent it out to the press. It was, it was featured in um, the business supplement in the Telegraph, the Sheffield Telegraph last week. Um we had members of the press there on the night, so hopefully there'll be there'll be um stories coming out about the showcase um from that as well. Um, I emailed the universities and the computer science faculties to send it out to their students. So, you know, there's yeah. There's, a, there's a quite a lot of the, you know behind the scenes promotion that went on to try and to try and get people there. I, it would be nice if that process was a bit easier as it becomes more well known and and word of mouth goes out. We could probably be a bit bit more you know plan it a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I think this it's one of those things that are going to build up as people get to know about it. And I think as well, well, I don't think I, I have a, a wonder a question whether for some people it still might feel a bit like. Oh, is this event for me? you know it's the Sheffield Digital Showcase? Sh- yeah. should I come along? So we need to look at how we make it look like something that anyone could come along to and listen to even if some of the information was a little bit more detailed or technical than they could handle and just spread that a bit further. Um, and
3: Actually, just on that point, yeah. I, I um, it occurred to me uh, a couple of days ago and I tweeted about it and I got loads of engagement on that tweet just saying, you know, I should probably point out that this showcase is not just for techie people. Yeah. That, you know, I make it a personal mission to try and explain how these projects to, you know, people with a general interest. Um, so I, I think you're right. We need to get that message across more. Yeah. We need to have a broader range of people. As interesting as it is for professionals, and it is interesting for professionals, it's also about um, explaining what the tech industry does or digital industry in Sheffield does to a broader audience as well
1: so if people are interested in being part of the show next time
3: email me email
1: chris (laughs) (laughs) chris uh, at uh, sheffield.digital and say i want to be on the showcase
3: (laughs) i do get quite a few people do that great um which which is which is which is good uh i can't i can't have everybody on um and i'm looking for a balance of projects i think they have to be significant enough um but they uh, they also want projects from a range of different application areas and, and types of tech. Um, so not, not, not pure marketing campaigns. They need to be marketing campaigns that, that have you know some more interesting element around data potentially or, or different kinds of visual presentation or, yeah. or something. But there needs to be some kind of hook that makes it interesting.
1: Okay. And the next one will be roughly when?
3: Well, it's every three months we want to do them. So June or July? Um, it'll be July probably. June. Yeah, June maybe. Yeah, sooner than you June. think. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, the the other thing that we really want to happen is um that they attract sponsorship. So we're going to be opening up a sponsorship for them for the next one. Um, now, now that we've got the format, now that we we know what we're doing, um, we can you know we can produce it more slickly. Um, yeah, we want. You know, there's an opportunity for companies and, and organizations to associate themselves with the event series and get some more publicity so uh, so the platform very kindly let us take over their event every three months to do the showcase and the platform is the um, creative and digital industries networking business networking event that is hosted by the workstation in conjunction with the um, Sheffield technology parks and business Sheffield they so they they, they paid for all the booze and food well done. Yeah.
0: Marvellous. So we talked previously um, about the quarterly briefing. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a, a publication, a thing, a thing that people can hold and also send
3: via email. Like I think that certain people can hold, yeah. Only very special people. Only the best people. <laughs> <laughs> it's very heavy. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're, it's very small run, the the print version, because the, the print version is intended to go out to policymakers and ministers and... You know people at the digital catapult and dcms and things like that. Um so the print version will be in short supply it'll be cherished I'm sure. Um but yeah the, the information is designed to be um shared on social and web and in email. Uh and yeah I, I We've got a whole bunch of dummy content and and and, and layout and we're working with Field to produce the, the mock-up and we're still hoping to get the first publication done for the end of April, right. looking back at Q1. Uh, and I got an email yesterday from Johnny at Field saying, we've got the first the first mock-ups for you to look at. Do you want to come and have a look next week? So no. I'm going to have a look next week. <laughs> I'm on hooks,
1: And then you just got to come up with some real content.
3: And then I've got, yeah. <laughs> You have. I've, I've marked you in for all that. So, uh,
1: what? Sorry? What?
3: Moving on. Help me out. Please,
1: people. please move on.
0: Speaking of uh, field design, the design festival, Sheffield uh, Digital Design Festival, what's the full title?
1: So it's just going to be the Sheffield Digital Festival because okay. Sheffield Digital oh. Design Festival was a bit too much of a mouthful. But I it struggle
0: will... with just the word Sheffield Digital, as we know.
1: We know, yes. <laughs> all, all this time and you're still struggling, no. Ian. <laughs> Um, The plans are going really well. Uh, I think everybody already knows the date, which is Friday the 17th of May, and it'll be an afternoon and into the evening thing. Uh, It will be at Castle House in the co-host space, with thanks to Collider for their support. Um, We should be able to make some announcements at the end of next week, so the end of March, uh, we will be talking about some of the speakers that we've secured and what's going on. And most importantly, the idea that while there's going to be the main event on the Friday, what we really want to encourage people all over the city to do is have their own events during the week in the run-up to the Friday. So we're really copying what leads digital festival does in that they encourage agencies and organisations all over the city to hold events during a certain week and then it creates this huge buzz all around the city. So there will be a way for people to plan their own event, whether it's just having an open house or putting some sort of exhibition on or hosting a meetup or... Um,
0: what was the date again? 17th of May. Okay.
1: Yes. Is there?
0: That's a good date. Is
1: that a good date? Okay.
0: <laughs> Have you got plans? You're for that
1: worrying thing? me now. <laughs>
0: um, the the Sheffield uh, the Sheffield Content Club, the meter that I've been talking about starting, we're, we're looking at the sixteenth of May for that. So
1: perfect. Similar
0: sort of time. And launch it during Marvellous. digital festival so week. You can
1: launch it during festival week. Um, so the there will be a mechanism on the website that if you are planning an event or if you've got an event happening anyway and you want to tag it with the digital festival there'll be a mechanism to put it on a calendar on the website. So that will make it available and and visible to everybody. Which website? So that will be the website for the Sheffield Digital Festival, which is sheffielddigitalfestival.com.
0: Is that up and running now?
1: It is. It's just a holding page at the moment. uh, But by the end of next week, there should be more exciting stuff happening.
0: Sweet. put a link in the show notes. Fantastic. What's going on? Exciting. Um, and, um, and I think that's it. I think that's all topics covered for this particular week. We shall move on to events. Um, so as usual, I'm going to take you through all of the uh, events and meetups that are coming up in the next two or three weeks. we we'll start with um, Agile Sheffield, which takes place on the 26th of March. On the 27th is UX Sheffield. On the 28th, it's a very busy day, uh, there are four events taking place. There is uh, the next uh, edition of Frontend Sheffield, there is the eye tracking forum did we want to mention something about the eye tracking forum did we say
3: just that it's an interesting thing i think it's happening at uh Co- at commune right yeah. which yeah. is colliders uh, or castle house is food court um but it's a it's a company that's uh at the um sheffield technology parks that specializes in eye tracking and have a bunch of different applications of eye tracking so it's, a, it's an opportunity to to kind of meet a company that's based, I think, a Swedish or something. Yeah,
1: you asked me this last episode. They're Scandinavian. I can't, I can't remember, remember which, which exactly country. Which, Scandi um, I will look that up. I promise. Um,
3: but they they have a they have a um, a development facility here in, in Sheffield, and um, there's they're basically showcasing lots of different users for eye tracking. So it's kind of interesting to the uh, people that immerse Sheffield and people that are, that are doing stuff in VR and AR. Yeah, because tracking. Uh, tracking where you're looking is yeah. an interesting and the good thing is is component. they'll
1: be bringing loads of kit with them so that you can actually have a play so it's not just get talked at by people doing eye tracking but actually hear about some of the applications some of the development work that they've been doing in different sectors, but then also just have a play with the technology and talk to the people from Toby about what potential there is what you might be able to do within your product or within your service or within your business so um yeah, it should be really interesting. I'm going to go down and check it out. For yeah, sure. it's an
3: interesting opportunity to go in and uh, have a look at some interesting technology. And you know, it, it doesn't come around very often, so it's not one of the regular events. It's a, it's a, an, you know, an interesting opportunity for a company that has a base here to show off some of its some of its global technology.
0: Fantastic. So that's on the 28th of March. Um, also on the 28th of March, it's the next edition of Sheffield DM, which uh, stands for di- uh, Digital Marketing. So that's a, a, a relatively new bi monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital marketing meetup in Sheffield. Um, Up Social, the next edition of Legup Social is on the 28th as well. It's an extremely busy evening um, or day. Um, 2nd of April, it's the next Fireside Chat, which is one of the Cooper sessions. We have .NET Chef on the 2nd as well. On the 4th of April, it is Go Sheffield. And then uh, the 5th of the 7th, it's the Startup Weekend.
1: And for Startup Weekend, there's a discount code on Sheffield Digital Slack at the moment. So, if you want to go along, you can get a nice discount off the cost of going.
0: Whereabouts on Slack?
1: Um, startups in events. channel, I don't know. It's in events and it's probably in startups as well. Let me have a look. Yeah, in events.
0: Okay, so the events channel on the uh, Sheffield Digital Slack for your, for your discount. Um, on the 11th of April, it is Sheffield DevOps and... Of course, we have um, Geek Brekkie every Friday from 9am. I right. Still a uh, good turnout at the moment?
3: Yeah, people filtered in pretty late this morning. I got there and we waited about a quarter of an hour, but we ended up with a table full. pretty long, Or half a table full, I think it was. It was interesting. There was, someone came over from Detroit to, to have a just chat. Just for Geek Brekkie? Just Brekky. for Geek Breakfast. Awesome. So she's here on a on a Marshall <laughs> Fellowship, uh, but she's in, in Sheffield for a couple of days. And it was really great to meet her and... Uh, get her impressions of spending two days on a kind of an exchange mission to learn about how economic development happens here and how the city's changing. So, Marvellous. lots of interesting people.
0: Great. Um, and then membership. So we've, we have just one member, which is absolutely appalling. I'm,
1: I'm just, <laughs> well, not for them. No, yeah. They're I, wonderful. I oh, no, no, of
0: course, of course. But all well, the rest of you, what on earth are you thinking? Um <laughs> We have a, a, a compa- new company member uh, since we last recorded and that's the If Collective, which are a, a new four-person outfit. They're down on um, just past the Wicker, Great. Sort of, uh, uh, pals will go as far as that. They're, they're, they're doing some good stuff. Um, and they've signed up, which is great. And, thank you, uh, uh, If Collective. We've yes. yeah, thank you to the if, Colle- if Collective. Not easy to say either. <laughs> Nothing's easy to say, I don't think, really, for me. Um, and that's it. Thank you for uh, for listening. You can subscribe to the show uh Uh, Wherever you prefer to subscribe to shows, really. Um, And you can find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast. And we post all of the episodes on the website too. You can find them in the podcast category. Um, And you can go back and listen to uh, previous episodes, which people do. That's the thing that people do. We have evidence, we have statistics, (laughs) and everything.
1: We're watching you.
0: There is, uh, I I guess, mostly for the interviews. But, you know, this this is episode 30, as uh, we discussed earlier with the. The cake references. So we now have uh, 30 interviews with people from around um, around Sheffield and the, and the sector. So there's lots to go back and listen to. And, uh, and
3: I think that's it. Yep. Anything let, to add? Let us know no. what you think. One of the things that we'd really like is to get more feedback about the podcast. What's good and what isn't and what else we should do or interesting people to talk to.
1: Yes, It's certainly if you can suggest interesting guests for us, we'd love to know.
0: Yep, absolutely. And you can do that. You can uh, contact us on Slack or on Twitter or by emailing uh info at Sheffield.digital and um and yeah, all feedback welcome. That's it. Until Bye next all. until next time. Bye. See ya.